0: After every catch he makes on the baseball field, he'll look to you to make sure you're smiling. When her friends make the fourth grade pep squad but she doesn't, she'll look to you for comfort. When she feels misunderstood by her brothers and sisters, she'll look to you for understanding. They'll never stop looking to you. When she walks down the aisle on that magical day, she'll look to you to bring peace to her anxious heart. When he plays his first concert with his new band, he'll look to your face in the crowd. When she makes choices that will break your heart, she'll eventually look to you for forgiveness and restoration. They'll never stop looking to you and you can never stop, you must never stop looking to God. They don't need you to be perfect. They just need you to be authentic and offer them Jesus anyway. They need you to try your very best and even if you fail, they need to see you rise up again. They need you to follow hard after Jesus as best you can because they will never stop looking to you. Son, I'm writing these words to you because you are, and always have been, the legacy I've wanted to leave. And now, it's your moment. It's your chance to leave a legacy of loving Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. They'll never stop looking to you. And that's the way God created it to be.
1: Good morning, church family. How are you today? You guys are sleepy. Let's try that one more time. Just one more time. Good morning, church family. How are you doing today? There you go. You're doing better today. You know, you got these people... Karen, where is Karen? Is Karen Hurley still in here? She may have slipped out. Y'all need to pray for her fingers because they may be on fire on the piano. I was watching her the first song and I'm thinking to myself, she's going to hurt herself. (laughs) And so uh, we have some incredible musicians at Heritage. But there's a lot of people behind the scenes and behind the cameras. Would you give them a round of applause and say thank you? Thank you. You have people to give hours and hours of their time every week, helping, serve, and make sure that things go well. And for Alex and Drew and Keith and Linda and I can't see who's that Megan back there. Thank you guys, and plus all the others that serve because there's a rotational basis. We talk about that a lot, but thank you guys for all that you do. I want you to turn in your Bibles today to Psalm 78. We're going to be there. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different, like we did a few weeks ago. We've been in this series called Kingdom Families, and. I don't know if you've realized there's been a progression. We started out around missions and family missions, being on mission as a family with Dr. Jeff Street, uh, Dwight Dwight Bain. Dr. Dwight came in to be with us to talk about family health and and uh, the role, uh, what what's happening in families, and then uh, and then we had baby dedication. There were lots of babies and young families, and then last week we had had Michael and Hux and and our teenagers in here for graduation and and uh, what a great day it was. And so today, how can we get away from this deal on kingdom families with not talking about seasoned adults or those that are grandparents? Um, And so you've heard us, Meredith and I talk, I don't think there's anything that's more important in our life than our kids, not only just knowing Jesus, but walking with Jesus. That's really important to us. And not just them walking with Jesus and following Jesus, but, you know, like for Abby and Landon, um, Landon, Abby's husband, for them to follow Jesus. And one day, if God provides children, that that their children would, would follow Jesus and that the children of their children would follow Jesus. Down the line, that legacy of faith, that's why we were started, people. That's where the name comes from. Wayne, that's where it comes from. That we would live out a legacy of faith in Jesus Christ by creating environments where people were sharing uh, growing spiritually sharing life and, and serving others and that's been our focus from day one uh, not how we do more church better church but how do we be the church that God's called us to be and live out our faith you know let me just ask you this it's off the, uh, sort of out of the out of the, the schedule what's more important what we say or how we live The church has been really good over the years about telling people how they, what they ought to do, but not really showing people how we're supposed to live. I want us to be about how we're, what we're, how we're living and that the, that our, what comes out of our mouth and our lives, that there's a match that's there. And so, um, we're privileged to have some guests. I'm going to introduce them in just a second. um, but what's really important to Meredith I, is not only that our kids come to know the Lord, follow Jesus, but one day our, that legacy would be passed down the line. I want to read a passage of scripture to you today um, out of Psalm 78, 1 through 8. is sort of kick us off and then um, we're going to have a time on stage today interviewing some three very, insport, uh, very important and special people. Uh, for our church family. And so if you'd read with me today, let's read out of Psalm 78. Before I read though, let me ask you this question. If leaving a legacy of faith is important, and we say the gospel is really important, then what is it What is it that we need to be intentionally doing um, so that the gospel is and the good news is passed down to the future generations. So if the good news is really good news, if the gospel is, is great news and is something that needs to be passed down from generation to generation, what is it that we need to be doing as a church intentionally so that that good news is passed down not just as a church, but today we're specifically going to be talking about you as an individual. So this is what we read in the Psalms today, Psalm 78. If you'd read along with me today, Psalm 78, 1-8. Oh, my people, listen to instructions, open your ears to what I'm saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you, that's a good word to underline. I will teach you hidden, hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known—stories of our uh, ancestors—that our stories, our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children, but we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob, He gave His instructions to Israel, He commanded our ancestors to teach them to our children, so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn, will, here's that word again, teach, teach their own children. So each generation should set its own hope anew in God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. So just as the Bible outlines for us um, roles for for mothers and fathers and children. The Bible also gives us some direction when it comes to seasoned adults or grandparents, and we're going to be talking about that today. My three guests that are up here, there's three things that I know that, that they all have in common. Number one, their love for Jesus. Number two, their love for families. And number three, their love to seeing faith pass down to the generations. I want to begin by introducing Melvin to you. Melvin and Don have been married for 21 years. Um, They have four children Lexi, um, Marcus, and Tristan and Jordan. And they have four. I told Melvin, I said, you're too young to have four grandchildren. And so, uh, but glad to have Melvin, uh, Miss Sheila West, (sighs) Miss Sheila. 59 years. I didn't say 59 years. Oh, 59 years. She's been married. She was married when she was 12. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Her and Mr. John been married 59 years, 60 next March, right? 60 God willing next March. Uh, What's that? God God willing. That's right. Um, seven grandchildren, and a grandson in love, that's what you call him, right? Uh, one of the grandchildren are married. They have two children, John, Trey, and, and Terry. And then Mike, Michael and Colleen, been married for 30 years. Uh, like, like Meredith and I, Michael and Colleen dealt with infertility. And even though they don't have any biological children, they have lots of spiritual children and grandchildren that they've invested in their in their life. So all three of these come from three. three different ages. But they um, they all share a same love for Jesus, for for families, and for seeing faith passed down. So I want to start out with a question today, and and let's just let me ask this question: um, When did you make a decision for Jesus, and who was it that had the biggest impact in you guys making that decision?
2: Uh, I came to the Lord when I was just turned 15 years old. Uh, I was born and raised in New York City, and so. There you actually had two educational choices. It was either the Catholic church, Catholic school, or public school, and Catholic school had the better uh, education. So I was put in Catholic school and got baptized in third grade because I didn't want to be the only one in my class not doing first communion or first penance, and argued all the time with the priests because. I had questions and they didn't want to answer questions and so it was just kind of like headbutting against them and so moved down to Florida uh, when I was uh, gonna be a freshman in high school and immediately befriended uh, my best friend through my teenage years named Eddie and his mom who was affectionately known as Mama Lou uh, Lucy Matos uh, basically took me under her wing and anytime I was at their house every Sunday morning I was going to church And it was the first time in a church environment where I actually opened the Bible. And she was there to answer questions and have conversations. And uh, she played a huge role in me becoming uh, a believer in Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's good. Ms. Sheila?
3: Well, I would say that my grandmother was the first. She. I lived with my grandparents until I was five and a half years old. And my grandmother was the closest thing to an angel that ever walked on God's green earth. And it wasn't what she told me to do, but what she did. It was how she lived. I wanted to be just like my grandmother. So, like many people, when you're in vacation Bible school and you're young, I went forward and I ended up being baptized. But I was absolutely nothing like my grandmother. I grew up and... I uh, made my own choices and was re- rebellious and uh, lived my own life. And it wasn't until I reached a time in life I call my year of reckoning. And I felt like that I was just at the end, that my life was falling apart. And it was at that time that I received a letter from a very dear cousin, just a few sentences saying, I wished I could give you the faith that I have in God to carry you through. Mm. And I, she could not do that. I had to have that faith. For myself, But it triggered me to go back to the scriptures that I had learned all through the years. And the one, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The Holy Spirit revealed to me that I had sought God's help all my life, but I had never sought God himself. So I got down beside the bed that night, just me and Jesus, and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. But because I didn't have a spiritual head in my home, it was people like you and me that are sitting in the seats that actually taught me the scriptures that I was able to use and to grow on. And one of my friends, her mother picked me up when it was raining to take me to church. And her name was Ann. I called her Anne Irene. One day I told her, I said, what can I do to pay you back, Anne Irene? And she said, don't worry about paying back. It's about passing on. And that became a theme for my life. Uh, I saw her doing it, and I wanted to pass on to others and always have who Jesus Christ is so that they could have that same joy.
1: And you do an incredible job at that. An incredible job. Mr. Mike? So for me, it would be
4: my mom's mom uh miss diamond Mae gary so my brother and i would go spend summers with our grandparents and you know that's how i learned for uh, learned about jesus originally was through her and and my grandfather but um so i can remember summer mornings waking up smelling the bacon that she was cooking and she was singing, Oh, what a friend I have in Jesus. I can still remember that. But one summer I decided at 14 years old that I wanted to follow Christ.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, um, when you go back and you look at the scriptures we talked about in the first service that when Paul was writing to Timothy, he talked about the faith of his mother and grandmother. But he didn't mention anything about his father who happened to be Greek. Mom and mom and grandmother were Jewish. And and so there's no no evidence that, that his father had any 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 type of an influence in in Timothy's faith. But do you believe that the father and grandfather, do you believe that men have a have a very important role to play in the lives of children and grandchildren when it comes, or just anybody? In the church itself when it comes to raising up and passing on faith to the next generation? Do you believe that there's an important role there?
4: Let me say that um, my grandfathers, they played a role in their actions. So they were really men of few words, but I, I saw how they lived their lives, so that definitely had an impact. Now my father was really more absentee, not really a spiritual leader, so I know that I missed something from that, and it probably would have helped me avoid some things.
2: I know beyond a shadow of a doubt um, that I could have avoided a lot of pitfalls. I had a good father. I did not have a godly father. Um, My dad, when he was young, uh, was abused in the name of religion, so he completely rejected any notion of God until later in his life. Um, So when I was growing up, it was like, you choose your own path. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, But in that, I didn't have that rearing. I didn't have that um, spiritual wisdom imparted on me. So uh, the role of a father, as God has called us to be the spiritual heads of our household, um, was not there for me. So I know there were a lot of things in my own life that I struggled with because of that.
3: I was abandoned by my father before I was ever born. So I grew up with out a father and for so many people today that is a real issue because it was easy for me to think that God the Heavenly Father was just as absent and uh, far away as it was not having a father that I knew. I couldn't imagine in the beginning and that took a journey for me and I believe there's a lot of other people that are in that same situation. The difference of being able to bring our children and our grandchildren up in a home with a a man who was a godly man and was the head of our household. You could see the change, the difference, and the impact that it has made in their lives. But also, again, all of us that are sitting here today and all you men that are sitting here today, if it weren't for men like you, I would never have known what a godly man was.
1: If you spend any time with Sheila, And John, you talk to them. It doesn't take very long for them to want to show you pictures of grandchildren, to talk about grandchildren and what's going on in their lives. Um, for, For you two, what is your greatest desires for your grandkids?
3: That they would love the Lord God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and with their strength, and that they would live real life in Jesus Christ. Not a cultural compromise norm of a Christian lifestyle that is a classification and not their identification, but that they would practice his presence every
1: day. so how what are some things that you that you guys do? Because I know you're very active in in wanting to see your grandchildren grow, but I also know that you're very intentional about some things. So, as a grandparent, What are some things that you feel like that you do, have done, want to do, should do when it comes to passing down faith, leaving a legacy?
3: We talk about Jesus. It's normal conversation. It's not churchies or any of that. We just talk about Jesus. We talk about what Jesus has done in our lives. We talk about our failures and how if it hadn't been for God that we wouldn't be where we were today. We're very open. We're very transparent with them when they come to us with questions or things that they don't understand. We um, refer them back to what God's word has to say about it. And we're not preaching at them. We're having a conversation, conversationally talking about what God does. It's just a way of life for us that they would know that he is, Christ is the head of our home and that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that there's nothing else that's going to get them through this world.
1: You know, when... when, uh... You hear that testimony, but there are a lot of other people out there that'll say and make comments, and maybe you've heard some. Maybe you yourself have even used these. I've raised my kids. I've done my time. I've, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've worked hard. Now it's time to play. So, what are some of the excuses that um, that grandparents may use or older adults when it comes to leaving a legacy? What are some of the excuses or or things that they may utilize? Um, to sort of maybe try to get them off the hook. What are, what are some of those excuses?
2: You just said them. <laughs> I'm done raising my kids. They're not my kids, they're their kids. They make the decisions. They, they're the ones that are responsible, which you know, is, is not accurate. You know, as parents, we never stop being parents. We always hear that, that phrase, oh, you stop being parents when they turn 18, they leave your house. No, you always are there for counsel, for guidance, for love, um, for compassion, for grace. Uh, for wisdom, that that never stops, and and you always love your kids. I mean, and I don't I don't think that God doesn't stop loving us when we turn a certain age or anything. So uh, that's just that's the lies like you'd like to say from the pits of hell.
4: You know, you know they <clears throat> they might say, well, I'd rather be golfing or
1: fishing, but that's a good place to talk about Jesus. That's right. That's right. Nothing wrong with that.
3: I haven't found the word retirement in the Bible yet, but you can't leave a legacy of faith if you're not living a legacy of faith. So none of us have an excuse uh, for not living out our faith in our everyday lives. But you know, when you look at the scriptures, it tells us not just to live it, but to pour into others what God has poured into us. And there's a way that every single one of us can do that. Not only with the the babies or the children or the teenagers, but with the others. We've got a lot of spiritual babes that are adults within our congregation and in the world today. And they need to be poured into. They need examples of how you can continue to grow in grace as you get older. Because we're all going to continue to grow. We all learn something new every day. So there's excuses, and then there's reasons. I mean, there are truly reasons that sometimes a senior citizen cannot do something. They may not be able to physically do it, but there's always something else you can do. And one of those things is to be a listener and to love and just pour into people.
1: That's right. You know, um, in just a little bit, you'll see some students that will line up here as we we commission some of our students to serve this summer. And uh, you'd be surprised— what, uh, praying for, writing a letter to, a word of encouragement, what can be done that may not be necessarily physical in nature, but when it comes to leaving a legacy and and passing down and encouraging, and it can can do an awful lot. Michael, so so you and Colleen don't have any biological children, but there's been some very intentional things that you've done when it comes to... um, passing down faith and being intentionally involved in the lives of those that are younger than you and discipling and encouraging. Um, what are some ways that you've been involved and how has your involvement, your intentional involvement, how has it made a difference in your life?
4: Well, you know, there's a couple of things that, that come to mind on why I got involved. You know, one of them was a question... That you asked several years ago, that that um, that God used to to uh, go down this this path, and that's what's my legacy. <clears throat> Since I didn't have kids, I I did think about that, and and so I you know not long after that, I I read an article that said 70% of young people were walking away from the church, and that really bugged me. And I could relate to that, because that's exactly what I did. So I, I walked away. Even though I said I wanted to follow Jesus at 14, I, I went off and did my own thing. And it took me almost four decades to surrender my life to Jesus. But, but that um, was something I felt that that, that experience, I could you know, use my story to help others, help young people. And so I found a book, kind of getting ready for this. It was called "So the Next Generation Will Know" by Sean McDowell and Jay Warner Wallace. Excellent book on the current generation. And so I, you know, God used that book to to help me go down this path. And I said, I think uh, I need to get involved in youth ministry. So, so I went to Colleen one day and I said, you know, God is is drawing me into the youth ministry. And she said, wow, (laughs) I didn't see that coming.
1: You know, Mike, looking back though, but I know that you, I don't know about some of the others, but I do know the phone calls that you've made, the notes that you've written, the texts that you've written, the books that you've given. And um, you've played a huge role in a lot of young men's lives over the past few years when you've been involved. And uh, you know what, you may never see the fruit of that. You may not see the immediate fruit of that, but I will tell you that you've had an impact in the lives of kids in just that short amount of time. It's been a huge
4: blessing to serve alongside of Melvin in the beginning and then Brian after that. And now Hucks. it's been incredible to see what God has done in the lives of these young people.
1: Okay, Sheila, I didn't ask this question in the first, in the first uh, service, but you're an administrator by nature. And let's just say you're designing a job description for a grandparent. What are some of the what, what might be some of the qualities or, or descriptions of responsibilities that you say would be in the job description? Of a parent who wants to leave a legacy of faith
3: well Sid gave me a heads up he might ask this question so I really did some thinking and pondering about it first of all, I don't see grandparenting being a job. I see it as a divine assignment with a lot of purpose behind it and I'm a purpose-driven person to begin with so I write purpose statements to clarify in all areas of my life what I should be doing so that I can bring it back quickly. So I'm just going to read you what my revised statement, I wrote one for my grandkids years ago when they were little and I've had them through the years as they've changed ages, what it was. But to me, this is what uh, the purpose of a grandparent is, to be an influencer with unconditional love, bridging the gap within the boundaries within the boundaries because it is the the parents of the children's responsibility to bring up their children. We are there to bridge the gap in ways that are needed. As an ambassador, passing Jesus Christ along to, uh, to my grandchildren, being real and a witness of how God's work works in the real world that leads them to walking with Jesus and sharing the stories of God's faithfulness to be approachable, slow to speak, quick to listen without judgment, encouraging and speaking truth in love, and be at the battle ax, praying without ceasing. The Bible talks about a battle ax, and battle ax is an ax that can break up and, and break down strongholds, and that, I feel that that is our responsibility, because see, uh, I don't always understand my grandchildren, but this one thing I do understand, that the enemy has a desire to devour them. And that it is our responsibility as grandparents, it is our responsibility as believers to be fighting a spiritual warfare and not fighting with them, but fighting for them and having joy in the process.
1: So this is the other thing that these three have in common. They're all perfect. They've never made any mistakes. (laughs) I don't know if you know that about them. That's why I chose them. See, I looked upon the audience and I thought, there's nobody else perfect except for these three. That's not the truth. And so uh, so you guys have made mistakes in life. You guys have struggled. There's been times you've already said that there have been times you've rebelled against the Lord. So now, now being older, being seasoned, being grandparents, or being a mentor in faith, What do you say to the parent or the grandparent that um, that has children or grandchildren that are struggling, that are wrestling or rebelling against the Lord? What advice do you give them?
2: What do you say? Be consistent. Keep loving them. Keep leading them. Keep teaching them. Keep showing them. Um, Guide them. Um, And we spoke about this in the the first service. Uh, Make sure that your community is involved. Uh, because when they don 't want to hear necessarily maybe their parents voice um, they 'll speak they'll they 'll hear somebody else 's voice who speaks the same language, so um, love them pray for them guide them lead them be consistent. Anybody else
3: I think he said all the right things uh, but just trust God for the process too you know. He's the one who's going to work out the process and the plan and be that supportive person and, again, that battle axe, that prayer warrior.
4: Maybe seek to understand before being
1: understood. Okay. So you have grandparents and seasoned adults that would say, you know, I I sense a conviction, not guilt. It's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to put guilt on you but I sense a conviction that maybe I need to be more involved. I need to be more intentional about passing faith down. Um, What advice do you give them or, or what do you say to a person that says, okay, tell me how,
2: what do you say? Humble yourself, don't be prideful. Everybody has a gift that they can, that God can use no matter some way, somewhere, somehow, in some fashion. If it comes to being, hanging out with the youth, being a relationship builder, go play some ping pong, play some pool, you know, listen to a kid's story. Um, You can't have influence unless you've developed relationship, uh, because it goes in one ear and out the other. Be real, be authentic, be who God has has called you to be. Um, Because the one thing that kids these days will point out in a heartbeat is, is somebody that's fake and they'll run. So just be real. Show them that you make mistakes. Uh, show them that you're covered by God's grace just like everybody else is. So. But there's always a place. There's always a place to serve.
4: Go ahead. I was just going to say that that um, Hux and Allison are always looking for, for people to help. So that's, that's an easy step to go talk to them. And then as you're Looking for opportunities to encourage young people, I mean that's a that's kind of a basic thing. We can always be looking for that and giving a, giving an encouraging word.
1: That's good.
3: Just. Um be yourself and pass it on. God doesn't waste anything. Everything that's happened in your life, he wants to use to make a difference in someone else's life. I told you that I was abandoned by my father, but my mother died when I at 47 when I was 20 years old. And after that, I made the decision that I wanted to try and find my father. And when I found my father, I found out that he was Jewish, that he was a research scientist and virologist, and that I had five siblings that I did not know about, and that they lived in the Bible belt of Houston, Texas, and not one of them knew Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Well, at that time, my, my uh, siblings were teenagers. And just being able to live with them and be able to pass along, but not be religious, don't try to cram anything down anyone's throat, but be a glow that will draw them to Jesus Christ and make them want what that you have. And we pass it on. We pass it on both ways. And let me encourage you, teenagers and you younger people, that God's going to use you to pass it on. We don't have to wait. There's always a younger person that you can pass it on to. And there's always someone else that's watching you who is older that you can pass it on to. And one of the greatest joys of my life is that before my father went to heaven, he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior so he could go to heaven. And that. This time, all of my sisters have accepted Christ as their personal saviors, and they are passing them on to their children and to their grandchildren. It's a multiplication process. And just enjoy being part of the process. Don't try to turn it into a program. Just be a person and be a people of God.
1: You know, you you may not be a teacher. You, you, You may not be... Uh, an educator you you may not be a person that 's good at at certain things, but everybody plays a part e- every one of us in here play a part when it comes to raising the next generation, regardless if you you believe that or not. as simple as knowing is knowing the names of children and calling them out. You know one of the things that I try to do from time to time, especially among the staff children is is i I try to text them or or, or or see them or say things to them just from time to time because you know you never know what your text what your text your your spoken word your little letter that you write to them might, might the difference it might make and uh, you never know that just the name you calling them by name and you may not think that's that big of a deal listen I don't know of anybody that doesn't like to, to have their name called hey you you come here you you know no, Brian likes to be called Brian, Steve likes to be called Steve, Don likes to be called Don, Matt likes to be called Matt. We love for people to call our names and kids love you to call their names. So all of us have, have a way that, that we can interact and respond. So let me ask this last question before we, we do something else really quickly. Um, so what resources? So, so I'm, a, I'm a parent, I'm a grandparent and I'm, I'm, I, I, I want a resource. Um, is there any resources, I know you guys are resource people, is there any resource that's out there that you say that's helped you when it comes to, to grandparenting or being intentional about discipling the next generation that you'd like to share? Michael, you shared one a while ago.
4: Yeah, that book, uh, So the Next Generation Will Know by Sean McDowell and J. Warner Wallace is an excellent book. You can also go to seanmcdowell.org, his website. There's a lot of great resources out there for young people today.
2: To me, my greatest resource has been my community. Um, When we came back home, one of the great things about coming home was that my kids had their community to come back to um, that was like-minded, you know, that that sought after the things that they were seeking after. So for me, it was those people that poured into me. Um, The People are the greatest resources because it's good to surround yourself with people that have been there and done that and done it well. And so, to model that example and model that behavior to me is one of the most invaluable resources.
3: Well, I'm going to just be real religious here and say God's word, because there's nothing else that has it all to say that's in there. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. Um, we're all different, and the way that we're going to do it is going to be different. There's. Um, not a right way or a wrong way for my grandchildren, there's my way and that's what they're going to know and what they're going to see and the same is true with yours. So listening to the Holy Spirit and using God's word as a discerning word, there's a lot of good resources out there that you can go to. But the more that you pour into God's word and it's poured into you and you're pouring it out, you can't, y'all all know that, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I am not an expert on grandparenting I just have the great privilege that God gave me that assignment and there's some of you that don't have that same joy that I have in being a grandparent you don't have the same situation that I have the same accessibility to your grandchildren but you still play a part in those grandchildren's lives and you can do that by prayer you can do that by a note whether it's your spiritual grandchild or whether it's your biological grandchild I think sometimes we just try to tell people how to do it when really and truly they know what to do they just have to be willing to be brave enough
1: to do it we will talk about the things that are most important to us is that a fair statement you will talk about the things that are familiar to you it's difficult to talk about Jesus and desire to pass down a legacy of faith if you yourself don't have it. Every one of us in here should be passionate about that. Every one of us in here should should have a a desire to, to see our children and grandchildren. Not our focus of just walking in these doors on Sunday morning and going through some rituals, listening to good music. That's great. There's a there's a purpose that God has, has given to us and to make his name known. And and that's a big deal. And there are multiple ways that you can be involved in that. And you don't have to be a, a spectator. You can get in the game. All of us should be in this game. And all of us should be participating. I want to read a passage of scripture before we close. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. There? as the senior person on this stage you can say anything you want to say
3: you know there's nothing more wonderful than parents sharing Christ with their children but not everyone has grown up being able to have that privilege or having been poured into themselves we can't quit pouring into the parents either there are a lot of people that do not have not even though they may have been a Christian for 10 or 15 years, have never had anyone walk along and disciple them. So they're not really sure what to do to disciple their own children. So no matter what age you feel like that you can relate to, you have a way of pouring into the next generation and passing it on the way that God's Word tells us to. And it may just be building a relationship with another adult, being able to help them to understand God's word better, being their community and listening to them because then they have the ability to train up their children in the right way that they should go so that when they're older, they will not depart from it. But
1: that's great. And it's, and it's a whole lot easier to do it in community. It's a whole lot easier to do it with a group of people that are walking and moving in the same direction so that there's accountability and encouragement in that.
2: And I, I, I want to say one thing as well that I think it has a major, major impact on generations to follow. The way you love your spouse should be the model that your kids and your grandkids seek after. The best compliment that I've ever had for my kids is that we want to have the relationship that you and mom have. Or you and Dee have. So guys, live out Jesus in your home the way you love each other. And your kids will actually see that, and then your grandkids will actually see that.
1: I want to read a passage of Scripture. Um, it's found in Psalm 71. You can turn there if you'd like to. Psalm 71, uh, 17 and 18. We don't really know who exactly wrote this psalm. There's some, there's some thoughts. Theologians believe maybe David wrote it. I really like what Spurgeon had to say. He said that um, he called it the prayer of the aged believer. Um, but in 17 and 18, these are, the, these are the words of those two passages of scripture. You've taught me from my earliest of childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things that you do. You know, if 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 it was written by David, think of the stories that David himself could have told. Think of the stories that he could have told about God's faithfulness and God's provision and God's protection. The stories that he could have told about the times that he came in contact and had to go to battle with lions and bears as he was watching after sheep or the story of David and the Goliath or the story of failure, adultery, you know, dishonesty, jealousy, rage think of the stories that David could have told, and then he says this, and this is one of my favorite passages, now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God, but let me proclaim your mighty works unto a new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after, after me. Remembering those things that God has done, you, 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 know, you know why passing on the legacy is so important to these guys, as well as to Meredith and I and many others, is because we all know the difference that our relationship with Jesus Christ has made in our life. I would not want to have to walk through life not knowing Jesus. I didn't say, I, 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 I mean, I could do without maybe going in and out of the church walls and going through some religious practices. But when it comes down to knowing Jesus, I, don't, I would not want to have to walk through life and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really important. Today, we have the privilege of doing something that is very unique for us as a church family. Uh, we have about 14 students this this summer. They're going to be serving. We have seven interns that will be serving with us. We have a group of them that will be leaving to go out of out of town. Uh, some of them out of um, out of continental United States to serve. I'd like for you guys, if you would, if you would come up and stand with me this morning. Interns, if you guys would stand together. If our interns would stand together and then, then, then those that are going off on mission, I'd like for you guys to stand together. and, and so um, I'll sort of give a really quick synopsis. So um, Logan is on the end. Logan and Peyton, Peyton raise your hand. You guys get a chance to see Peyton. Logan and Peyton are sort of they're sort of co-leaders this summer in our interns that, that'll be serving with us. Uh, Lincoln and Anna Grace will be serving with Hooks in student ministry. Um, Caleb and Peyton will be serving in music ministry. Uh, Tristan and Landon will be serving with Allison in um, children's in our children's environments. Um, Caleb is, is gonna be headed off with Summit Ministries. He'll be serving in Tennessee and also Colorado this summer uh, as an intern and a counselor. We got Josh and Adam Westgate and also Lily Braun that are headed to Alaska of all places on mission. On mission, that's what they're going to be doing there. Uh, they'll be at, uh, it's called, it's Solid Solid Rock, Solid Rock Bible Camp, and that's where they'll be serving at. There's three of them that serving there. And then Lindsay's going to be serving at Salt Church up in Gainesville. She'll go on as an intern, be working in their small groups. And then Abigail Linton has already left, um, and she, she started serving today um, up at Abilene Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. And um, the, the great thing about this is, is that every one of these students that are here have been influenced by these people that are on stage. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> 14 plus years ago when we started Heritage, again, that name, that name rings a bell. This is why we started Heritage, because we wanted to send a ripple effect into the future that God would use us in such a way not just to do church on Sunday mornings, but it would be about passing faith on. And and as I stand here, guys, I, I wanna remind you of the passage of scripture that we find in Matthew chapter 4, 19, when Jesus was walking along the shore in the early days of his ministry. And he, and he came upon Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and he said to them, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And inside of that, there are three important things. Number one, the acceptance of a call, They both got up and followed Jesus. Number two, they were changed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come follow me and I will make you. You don't change because you want to change, because you want to be a better person. But you're changed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. And the third thing is which all of you guys are practicing today. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That you're committed to the mission of Christ. You guys... um, you guys this summer are going on mission because you want to be committed to doing what God's called you to do. There's one last word I want to leave you with. It's the word fat. Okay, I'm not talking about my stomach. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about three words, an acronym, faithful, accountable, and teachable. That you be faithful to the call that God's called you to. That you be accountable to those over you as well as under you and those walking beside you. And third of all, that teachable. That you'd be asking God as you're on this journey this summer, that you guys would be asking the question, God, what is it you're saying to me? What is it you're wanting to teach me? What is it you're wanting to learn so that I can grow into more likeness of you and who you are? This morning we want to be able to commission you guys. It's important to tell you today that, that not only we're going to challenge you to live for Jesus, that we're going to challenge you to be, to be faithful, accountable, and teachable, Um, We're looking forward, when you come back at the end of the summer, we're looking forward to hearing the stories about what God's done and the things that you've learned uh, as you've been away. Church, a really big important part of this commissioning time and us praying over them is for us, for you to be able to see them, number one. The second of all, to know that, um, that you're coveting and you're committing to pray for these students while they're gone. Some of you may want to call and say, Um, And uh, listen, we'd like to maybe send them a packet. We'd like to send them a note. We just want to encourage them. You can call us at the office. We'll get that information for you. Um, Maybe you're here our summer interns. There'll be opportunities to feed them. Students like to eat. That's all I can say. We all like to eat. But they'll be one of the things they'll do together as they did last summer is they'll go into the homes of some of our church family. If you'd like to be able to serve them, to host them one night um, maybe it may be once or twice a week they'll be getting together. Um, but if you'd like to be one of those host families for one of those nights, if you'll call us there's going to be a, a way that you can sign up to be a part of that. Um, but today if you'd like to if you'd like to commit to pray for them, I'd like to ask you to stand I'm ask if Jack Post would please come. Uh, he's one of our overseers. mr. Jerry prayed for us this morning I'm going to ask if mr. Jack Post would close. And, um, and while Mr. Jack is coming, I want you to know that, that we, um, because we know it was a special day, we purchased some books from a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Josh Mulliville. Uh, Josh wrote a book on grandparenting. Uh, there's not a lot of Christian resources that are out there um, that, that deal with this issue of grandparenting, but Josh wrote a resource, and believe it or not, some of his research came from the villages. And uh, Josh gave us an incredible price that we could purchase these books. If you'd like one, one per family, they're on the way out. It is a great resource for you as grandparents to have. But if you're coveting to pray with us, would you stand this morning as Mr. Jack prays for us and as we close out our service.
5: Thank you. Ecclesiastes 12:1 says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before things get rough. Thank you for understanding that call, young people. Thank you that the Holy Spirit has placed in you the desire to do this. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll take each person's desire and commitment to serve you in their youth as a call. These times of serving in youth... Have lifelong impressions thank you for the commitment of each one here there's lots of things they could be doing but to choose to do this and not even to exactly know how it's going to be just says Lord I do remember who you are to me and I want to serve you this summer and we commit to Each one to you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.